Live from Briny Beach, this is Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Well, Tim, this is one of the more depressing beaches we've been on. Uh, well, maybe we just picked a bad day. I mean, yeah, it it's is kind of cloudy. Very cloudy, kind of chilly, honestly. Yeah, I don't, it's not a good day for the beach. No, I don't know. I'd rather have the podcast taken us somewhere else. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how it decided to do so. I've got sand all over me. It's just very, it's very unfortunate. Nick. It is. It's, yeah, I feel like nothing good can come from a place like this. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So, but anyway. And no one else is really here. I mean, I think there might be a couple... I don't know, kids or something. There's some kids down this down the beach there. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll they're going to have a much better day than they can make. They can make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. But welcome, folks, to your favorite podcast on storytelling. My name is Timothy Deal. My name is Nick Hayden, and we are here to talk about all matter stories for the creator and the consumer. But before we get into uh, the meat of things here, Nick, I, I I need to ask you. So when I I came over to your house earlier, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. before, so the podcast can could spirit us away. To Which this. is I I still don't know how that works. The, will, the podcast like is out a, the podcast is a strange will of its own. I'd love to meet it someday, yeah. but I don't know, we we just kind of go where it takes us. But as I was coming up, I saw I found this on your front well, porch. Is that? What kind of fur is that? I don't know. It's a weird stuffed animal that's like brown and furry and like a mix between a bear and a pig or something. Yeah, I don't. It seems familiar, but. but so it's, it's not one of your kids? It's, no. I mean, we have a lot of stuffed animals, but that is not one of them. Eh, okay. Well, I mean, we'll just throw it out to the fishes. Yeah. So. Well. Um, I, I probably just great to throw it. <laughs> probably not. And probably the fish didn't appreciate that. But, probably yeah, not. Yeah, better than throwing at those kids down there. Yeah, they wouldn't appreciate that. No, it was. It ruined their day. Yeah, probably. Anyway, sorry to didn't mean to get off on sidetrack there. Um, yeah, not we never f- do that. <laughs> we never do that at all. But uh, for real now, let's go into our story school. Story School is where we talk about some topic that's on our minds for because we planned it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's not necessarily, I think we've mentioned this before, this is not our teaching segment. This is our exploration segment. Where we just kind of meander around like, hey, what is is this thing that we learned in English class, but now we want to make it real? So we want to explore how we've learned this story. Or observed it. Observed, yes. Or used some topic from storytelling. Abused. <laughs> Abused, maybe. <laughs> Beat down, tortured. <laughs> Hopefully not. Okay, so anyways, Tim, what is our story school today? We're going to be talking about foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Which I'm sure we've talked about on the podcast in somewhere or another. Um, possibly, and we talked about world building or outlining. Mm-hmm. But foreshadowing is a very useful tool in um, developing the world of your story, developing the plot. And um, just kind of giving the audience a clue onto where things might be going. So yeah, that's so that's going to be the definition we're running with. Sort of like things that give a clue for what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I do feel like there's some general world building stuff that could be interpreted as foreshadowing, but oftentimes that's the sort of thing where the audience doesn't really realize that you're foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. For instance, it's like you're going back, and when you read it a second time, you're like, oh. oh. Like um, Sixth Sense. Yes. Uh, Hopefully it's been 20 years now. Yeah. I knew the spoiler about it before I ever saw it, you know, so, but the first time people saw it, then they went back and rewatched it. They're like, oh, now I see how that makes, how you reinterpret all these scenes and you don't really know that it was foreshadowing. But I think, I think it would still be foreshadowing because I know some people who did catch it because of that. Oh, really? Yeah. Who watched that scene and knew, I think Aaron Brosman, he or someone he knew, Saw watch that when he's uh, they figured they figured Haley Joel Allman saying to talking to um to Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis yeah and saying like I see dead people and all that stuff and, and he they took knew it right at face value yeah, yeah okay yeah so I know I think that's foreshadowing where that's how I would define foreshadowing things that set up especially in mysteries or like, and that's I would qualify a miss you know reveal mm-hmm. that you want to reveal that makes sense with what came first so you got to leave clues that foreshadowing that it's there. Right. When you don't, I think the audience feel gypped. Mm, yeah. 
and we did a little bit of that in uh, Children of the Wells because we had this thing. We knew that the world had changed, but we didn't want to reveal something about how it had changed. Yeah. And so we had to like we had to plant seeds of things like little just miraculous events that the characters are like, well, that was weird, but you know there must have been some scientific explanation yeah. for it. Let's just go on with our day. But it opens up for the audience the possibility. Oh, maybe these supernatural things happen in this world. Mm-hmm. You know that it's not outside the realm of what, where the story's going. Yeah, there's I, I know every once in a while I watch. I can't think of a specific example. Watch a show. And because they mentioned something in the beginning, it opens possibility for something that happens later in the on that you okay. wouldn't need for the episode, mm-hmm. but it's suddenly your brain suddenly changed because they opened up with a writer or with a... Your brain accepts that as a possibility because they've mentioned it elsewhere, mm-hmm. whereas if otherwise if it just comes out of nowhere, you'd be like, wait, that's not my understanding of this world that you're creating in the story. Yeah. And it's very clever when, you know, when people do it, you know, you can just, it'll seem like a throwaway thing and it's just, it's restructuring your world. Mm-hmm. And I think... I want to go back to it. You feel like gypped if you don't do this. Okay, my one pet peeve, I, I used to write about Battlestar Galactica quite a bit on this podcast. Uh-huh. But one of my big pet peeves when they revealed like the last three Cylons, there were three our main characters, and there was absolutely, from my memory, absolutely no setup. They're just like, they just were, and they didn't know it, and the audience didn't know, and they were, I don't think you could have gone back and found clues. It was just, mm-hmm. look how shocking it is. And I'm like, you could have pulled anything out of your hat. I mean, yeah. it doesn't make any sense, which maybe was a choice on their part on purpose, but to me felt like a cheat. Mm-hmm. So that's in some ways a different kind of foreshadowing than what the reason why I was qualifying that is because we w- looked on Wikipedia, which, you know, anyone can write in Wikipedia, yeah. but usually there's some literary people that yeah. will police the literary stuff. And like I said, this is not a lecturing thing. This is just kind of us talking about stuff and we generally tend to like blur the lines we tend to be a little broader than the technical terms yeah like combining monologues and um, soliloquies soliloquies you know they're all all kind of the same thing (laughs) not really if you want to be precise but it's all about uh, similar ideas like squares and rectangles all quadrilaterals sure sure (laughs) but like if you look at foreshadowing on wikipedia they talk about foreshadowing as something that is specifically cluing the audience in on something, giving them a hint of something that they know will happen, which sometimes you do want that. Sometimes you do want audience to know that what you're doing is foreshadowing. Yeah. And other times I think what we've been talking about so far is the like the sneaky kind. The sneaky kind. They don't know that you're foreshadowing. It's basically there so that later on they can, they can't call foul. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So those are two different types. So, okay. So the ones that kind of set up, well, foreshadowing thing is, Interesting. I'm going to go through, I'm going to be big picture philosophical real quick and then we'll go into details. Okay. Because most literary things that most people say you should put foreshadowing to be more a more literary book. You know, most things that are kind of higher brow have fancy symbolic foreshadowing like the weather or the, you know, they almost died or, you know, or like this event happened and then it gets re- echoed over here. And I think it's artistic because it shows that there's control from the author, mm-hmm. that the author knows what he's doing. Okay. I just think that's interesting in that it's what is more important when you foreshadow is not what's going to happen because in theory, you know, mm-hmm. but how does it happen? You how know, sometimes you, sometimes you'd be like, oh, you know, he's going to die. You know, Romeo, Rome, do that star cross level. You know, you know, there's going to be star, star cross lovers. Star cross lovers. Yeah. You, it sounded like star cross lover. Or- <laughs> Can't sing with all these marbles in my mouth. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we we have a general idea of where the story is going. But you're but, like, but how? Yeah, yeah. And for, even from ancient days, you had fate. You had you know, in Greek myths. I think it's interesting that we think a story's better when the author knows how it ends. Mm. And I, just theologically, people who believe in you know a theistic God who has control, you know, providence, believes things make more sense or more structured because someone knows where it's going hmm. versus being random. We don't watch a random. The show where nothing's foreshadowed at all and say, oh, that's good planning. That's an interesting point, even though, I mean, I, I think there is some interesting things that can happen when an author is kind of coming up with things as they go along. Hey, I, I love serialized stuff, too, so I'm not necessarily against that as a writing style. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there there is a general like of that format. I, I I can totally see that being kind of a philosophical reason, and it, it's it's much more reassuring that, that people feel like they know People feel like they can trust the author 
and where the the creators mm-hmm. are going if they can see the the seeds of where what's taking place. I mean, if you listen to us on the Weekly Hijack, we're talking about how well he's setting up the foreshadowing. Oh, J. Max Straczynski in Babylon Five. Yeah, because that that. I mean, the whole first season is basically foreshadowing. It's it's that's basically si- all it is. The first season's subtitle is Signs and Portents, and <laughs> yeah. it's all over the place. It's tons of setting up. Well, I mean, that's probably because of Babylon 5 is five-act season yeah. structure, where the first season is supposed to be the foundation to establishing all the characters. He doesn't just establish, though. He also says, like, hey, these things, go, you know, we have dreams and prophecies. And episode one, we learn how Londo dies. Yeah, I mean, and at that time when you first see that episode, you may not know that that's actually the way it's going to wind up being. It's like, oh, it's just a dream. It could be it, uh, dreams could mean anything. Yeah. So later you find out, no, in Babylon Five, dreams always mean something important and something and there, specific. There's many times in Babylon Five where you'll know where it's going, but you don't know how we get there. You're like, you know, if you go to Zaha Doom, you will die. Um, but what does that mean? What does that mean? Or even in season five right now, we know the Centauri are behind all these attacks. Well, we're we're recording season five right I know. now. No, I know, but they said, I'm just I mean, saying that the, we're, the release schedule oh. is on season four. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, I mean, we'll back that up. Um, <laughs> but go ahead. But there's many times we'll, we'll be given very straight up Garibaldi. You know, someone will tell him, watch your back, Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. And then get shot in the back. I mean, it happens all over. That's all he does. You know, we have a... Yeah, it's all over the place. That's how he runs. And it's not about, oh, the twist that I didn't see coming. It's about, how do we get there? Which yeah. is a different style than we have in some TV. Yeah, you, you don't get the, I mean, the prophecy dream, I think we're getting into types yeah, of let's examples do, Yeah, here. so prophecy dream. Yeah, that doesn't, that's not something that comes up in a lot of things. John Rowe uses the prophecy dreams a lot as the setup. I mean, any Greek thing, you got fate or prophecies saying, mm-hmm. hey, you're going to go marry your mother and kill your father. You know, yeah. that's foreshadowing. My son is going to kill me and take the throne, so I must go kill him first exactly. or, or get rid of him somehow, yeah. Or um, we watched, we read the book called Gregor the Overlander by um, Suzanne Collins. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's all, basically everything that happens like, well, this prophecy says this is going to happen, so we better do it. <laughs> I, uh, which I, I called a little bit of follow on that. But again, the whole book's structured as foreshadowed. Right. It's the, the prophecy that's a little too specific, yeah. more, more than actual prophecies usually are. Or in the more mystical, you know, like your 80s fantasy or action movie, even like you have these dreams that are usually involving some nature things like something's coming or and then it becomes true or that's how they become fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Sometimes foreshadow is like in your prologue, your your flashback. Not you, movies do this all the time, where like the first five minutes is like the main character is a little kid, mm-hmm. and like all they love to do is like hunt frogs or plan weddings or what you know whatever. And it so, and then they grow up and like oh that's what they're gonna do. So you're talking about the um, before you've actually seen the character grown up, you see them first as a yeah. kid. So it, that's yeah, that is kind of a foreshadowing. Actually, Shazam starts off like okay. this, except interestingly enough, Shazam does that as the villain motivation. Oh, really? Like the opening scene is like is about like a kid, and you like how he gets kind of taken to the spiritual realm and judged to see if he's worthy of the powers, and then the, the wizard's like. Nope, nope, you're not the right person for this. Bye. And, he's, and he sends him back. And so basically it becomes kind of a villain's journey because he's like, no, I saw that. I want that power. And so now he, so he's going off to get it. So it's an interesting kind of reversal of kind of the hero's calling thing. But it's it's foreshadowing what drove the villain to become a villain. Essentially. I mean, it's like Syndrome in Incredibles. That's true. You know, that whole yeah. thing is set up foreshadowing, okay, something's going to go wrong with this kid here. What is it? Yeah. Man. Good point. Good point. Again, that's you know that's not like long setup mystery foreshadowing. It's just sort of this is the foundation it, for the story it, that we're getting to. It's a narrative drive for okay. the audience. Like, oh wait, there's something here that's going to happen. What is it? Mm-hmm. Let's keep reading. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Good hook. Weather or setting. You know, a lot of times, you know, say you're on a depressing beach. You know, it might say something about is this going to be a depressing book? Uh-huh. Or uh, a storm's coming. Yeah, storm's coming. When you put that in the notes, I immediately thought of. Uh, Gandalf and Legolas yeah. <laughs> looking out towards the horizon yeah. and the storm coming to towards uh, in the direction of Gondor. Yeah. As soon as a storm shows up in a movie, you're like, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just... And maybe, well, I guess we're talking about weather specifically, so it's usually a storm. Yeah. Normally. You don't normally say, oh, look how bright and sunny it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Not normally. That's more like the end of the story. Yeah. <laughs> You know, unless you have these shows where, like, someone will have these dreams of 
peaceful living and then they, they their life's all like chaotic and finally at the end they finally get to go live that peaceful life you know like generations i guess star trek generations oh the know. movie no not really i just remember oh, nothing okay. good about that movie <laughs> i never saw it because i heard bad things about okay it. yeah well that's fine no no problem <laughs> nothing um, lost now apparently i was i made this note about the the object about like Chekhov's gun and then we were doing some research and Chekhov's gun apparently is not foreshadowing in Although a most tactical people, sense. Most people refer to it as foreshadowing, but apparently the, the point of Chekhov's gun, according, again, we're running off Wikipedia, and it's got some it's got some links of people here talking about it. They're saying that, so if you don't know what Chekhov's gun is, Anton Chekhov, I think we have mentioned this in before, see yeah. episode 21, I want to say. Wow. <laughs> I just remember. Foreshadowing we, for this episode. <laughs> I just remember because we talked, that was an episode where John Baylor was our guest, and we oh, talked okay. some about Chekhov's gun, I remember that one. Anyway, the idea being that if uh, a play has a, or a story has a rifle on the wall in the first chapter, first act, and there's a lot of the story in that play, then in that room, then that gun has to be used eventually. That's it's not just decoration and Chekhov's idea that if it's there in the setting, it's got to be important. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, technically, then it's not foreshadowing according to him or these people because foreshadowing is implying what might happen, not what will happen. What will happen? Which I don't. I'm not that. sure if I can completely buy because, like, just for in my perspective, yeah, just having a. A character having a gun doesn't mean that that gun's necessarily going to get used. Yeah, I mean, it hints that it will, but it doesn't mean that it will. I mean, I guess the idea is that if it doesn't get used, you wouldn't put it in the scene in the first yeah. place. I don't. Yeah, that that that's to me splitting hairs. But yeah, at least for our our purposes, right? So, anyways, for so like the object, normally, like if say James Bond gets some sort of cool gadget, you're going to wonder when is that going to be used. Because um, <laughs> of course it's going to be you yeah, would show off a cool I mean, gadget if you couldn't use it. How cool would it be if you? And I'm sure some movie does this where you get like some crazy powerful weapon, and it never gets used. <laughs> that would be great. A lot of people would probably be mad, but I think it'd be it'd be cool foreshadowing because people keep expecting it. It would end up being a red herring, right? Which is like the opposite of a foreshadow. <laughs> I should, I guess, you could clarify. Usually, when James Bond goes to meet Q. It's not uncommon for them to be like testing out other gadgets in their lab, ones that he doesn't necessarily take with him, like yeah. like a flame proof trench coat or something. Yeah. But usually, like he specifically says, "Okay, th- this is the stuff we're working on, but then this is what I'm giving you for your mission." Mm-hmm. So obviously, that's what he's going to wind up using. Um, I know pedantic, but <laughs> someone might call us out on it otherwise. Earlier events, like sometimes you have a early uh, an event happen that foreshadows a bigger version of the same thing. This actually happens in Strand Fred. In the first Strand Fred book, that's, those are novels I'm still writing. Yeah. In the first book, there's this long story about this historical event of Leela and Rutsu about this war and everything. There's a kind of traditional story sense, these three challenges, first like a dragon, then it's this sickness, and then something else. And basically, it, it outlines the entire rest of the novels. The series. Yeah. Which is it's kind of clever, because... I don't know the, how well I picked up that the first time. I, I realized it the second time because, like, wait, first book they beat a monster, <laughs> and then they have to deal with the sickness. And I mean, when I I read that, knowing that they yeah. were gonna have to deal with the sickness, and yeah. I was like, oh, I see. And Leela and Rutsu is also super important for the culture of, of that setting. Exactly. So it it plays a lot of duties that yeah. chapter. Well, and then even actually, first chapter of Squire does this too. Um, the king does this speech, and he talks about the bandits and the you know and the wizards, and basically everything he mentions shows up in at some Avengers. point. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it's just colorful because you have a lot of colorful imagery that's just for world building in that first chapter. Yeah. and a reader might assume that's just part of it, but no, you wind up tying into all of this and very important legend <laughs> in the course of your story about a very ordinary squire, which apparently is something I did a lot back when I was writing those two books. I don't know. <laughs> it's an interesting. Thing. I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of common ground between Strin Fred and the Unremarkable no. Squire, but there is that. So that's, that's kind of cool. Well, now you get it sometimes in, you got Bilbo in the ring and then it foreshadows Frodo in the ring. Yeah, in a way. I mean, I, mean, I guess... Well, Gandalf actually says kind of like, it might be even more important than, I mean, mm-hmm. in the re- it, after Tolkien rewrote right. Hobbit. Well, I mean, I, I guess, <laughs> to make it foreshadow. <laughs> right, right. And I guess some of what you were talking about earlier with like, where you start back farther back in time, the mm. the prologue. Some of that is sort of like this, the the early, earlier event. Well, that's true. Even if it's not necessarily the same character that we're talking about, it could be 
the character's father when he was a kid and he fell, he oh, fell into the same similar habits. And then like true. later on it gets repeated. Well, yeah, family road. sort of foreshadows like this, is what my did or this, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or to bring Babylon five up again, you know, Garibaldi used to be a drunk. Then it's foreshadowing. Is this going to happen again? Uh-huh. Um, I stole this one example from some, some other blog, but you know, mice and men, I had read that long ago, but I didn't remember, but George has to put down this dog or say he should have put down the dog himself. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he puts down Lenny. Have you read in my I have not, actually. Okay. Horribly depressing. But that's most <laughs> Steinbeck from what I've read. And I haven't read a lot, of, a lot, but per, I read The Pearl, which was depressing. But. Sidetrack. But do you think Stein, was, was Steinbeck Christian or what sort of worldview did he I come from? I don't know. I would, I would have to reread outside my middle school self because most of my memory of my Men is filtered through my eighth grade self. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> sure. Like they, you know, they had like, oh, the building was this long, dark building. And said, oh, it's symbolic of a coffin. And I'm like, what? I mean, like, there's certain uh, things that I thought were English teachers pulling too much. Maybe it was supposed to be there, but I was like, I don't know. Back then. Back then. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious because it's not one that I read in my school days. So I think I'd always, and since it was it tends to be so lauded, I, I think I've always just kind of assumed it was more of a non-christian perspective but i I really don't know i didn't cut this out but i've heard that like grapes of wrath has christian themes but it seems to be the more depressing side not the more redemptive uh okay anyway um and then sometimes innocuous statement the whole like um they'll say it straight out you know i i don't have the idea here there's this great episode season five of lost where it's called dead is dead and they talk about no when you're dead you're dead and all and locks just came back from the dead Uh uh-huh except he hadn't Right. I mean, they say straight up like three times that episode, and we're just like, no, this is Locke. No, he, he's clear. This is clearly Locke. Yeah. And it's not Locke. And yeah. <laughs> or sometimes you just name drop stuff like, you name drop the big baddie that you haven't seen yet, you know? <laughs> People have no idea what that is. And like, you're like, oh, that must be something coming up. Yeah. But you, you may not just, no, no, that was interesting, but you have no idea of the full significance of that until way later. Bad Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Bad Wolf. <laughs> Or Torchwood, or the first three seasons of Doctor Who, basically. <laughs> yep. I think the last one I had is just kind of, you know, the narrator said it direct. Like, little did he know that this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it appeared to be a wonderful day. It was not. <laughs> exactly. I mean, which is, is foreshadowing. We know that something's going bad going to happen. Yeah, basically. You know, don't read this book. It's uh, full of unfortunate events. So. Uh, hey, he warned you. <laughs> you can't blame him. Yeah. So it was, I thought those were foreshadowing something I think happens all the time, and we just kind of know it, but it's been a while. We have never talked about it directly. I think it's probably come up as a side tangent, but mm-hmm. that's one of the fun things about story schools and doing podcasts for 98 episodes now. Sometimes you can like, and it's been long enough, probably since we talked about it, that like, it's interesting to, to think about all the, the different flavors that foreshadowing can take. And I think in like, for the consumer, it shows up a lot more in plays and books than tv i think tv well, because it's, hard- it, it's written so in the moment right most tv does not have great foreshadowing individual episodes might but not yeah. across episodes or maybe normally or maybe like within a season maybe you could do it in seasonal like yeah. like once upon a time could do that because it's once upon a time you usually had a very specific idea what they were trying to do yeah. in a certain season and they would or, even drop like the bad guy that we know is coming up or right exactly and sometimes they would not foreshadow like oh we just need this random this random thing you're like oh if you had just kind of warned us that we need squid ink again yeah. <laughs> but usually it's more like we include all kinds of ideas in an episode and then like one of them will really interest the writers and they'll they'll delve more into that that's, and that tends to be more how tv shows work and i, I think, think oh well and i think serial because right strand fred largely serialized still in my brain where i'll vaguely outline then i'll just go with it mm-hmm and it's interesting, foreshadowing, normally you set it up because you know what's going to happen, but there's kind of reverse foreshadowing where something happened, you're like, oh, I'm going to take that and do something with it. Do you ever go back and add, like something wind up being a big deal later, so you go back and add more foreshadowing? I was probably should more than I do. <laughs> but not so much, not so far in Strand Fred yet. Not, I mean, book three has been more of that trying to happen just because mm-hmm. three's a monster, Yeah, but... Yeah, Newell's Rising was an interesting challenge as a foreshadowing exercise because I knew what I wanted to have revealed at the end of that book, 
but the reader didn't know it. So I was, I always felt like I was writing a mystery that no one realized was a mystery <laughs> until toward the end. Which, <laughs> that idea of mystery, I think, is interesting because there's so many. I mean, the straight mystery everyone gets, but there's there's a narrative style that's pretty strong now where it's the unwinding of revelations that we don't know are there yet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of genre things do that. That's true. Like, I mean, the Infinity Stones were basically a mystery that hardcore people followed, but... Yeah, but there wasn't necessarily a lot of info about them. But no, but everyone's like, oh, wait, this is, you know, it's... There's that one. We gotta, yeah. It, people wanted to follow the trail. You know, ever since they saw Thanos in the end of Avengers... Yeah. You yeah. know, then everything's like, people try to find foreshadowing. That's true. Whether it was actually there or not. <laughs> that's, fan theories are all about that kind of thing I think sometimes. that's an interesting thing that, you know, in, in this world of very hyper, hyper fans that everything is foreshadowing now. Uh, and sometimes that's part of the fun. Like, when one of the trailers for Kingdom Hearts 3 came out, it showed Sora in this, like, really ethereal area where there was just, like, clouds and white pillars and stuff. And people realize that the Japanese-only box art for the final mix version of Kingdom Hearts 2 had Sora and his friends in that setting. And they're like, the Kingdom Hearts 2 box art is foreshadowing for Kingdom Hearts 3. And it's like, well... Not really. Like, like people take, you know, they'll take a trailer like, here's the 27 things we learned about the movie from this trailer. And they're right. like, guys, it's, some things are just story. <laughs> or just ideas that a creator has always had in the back of his head and finally got around to like, oh, this is, here's a visual image I've always wanted to play so, with. So I suppose if you're too general, foreshadowing can kind of start encompassing just plot. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. <laughs> And it's it they don't really work that way. No, I mean, yeah, it's it's stuff that's very specifically there on purpose to help se- set up future events, mm-hmm. which again shows that you know what you're, what you're doing, or don't, or don't. don't <laughs> yeah, and then the opposite we won't talk about much is the red herring, which is basically you're purposely setting up not anything, <laughs> trying to get you to think too much hard about something, and which is is. I love how now we even have red herrings in trailers sometimes. They're like. See, remember that scene from the mo- from the trailer? Not in there. I, I think we might be foreshadowing next episode hmm. about overanalyzing these trailers. That's a possibility. Anyways. So you'll have to wait until next time to find out if we are. Um, until or if it's a red herring. <laughs> until then, uh, let's move on into soundtrack. Okay, Nick, you're up first. All right, so trying to find a soundtrack for foreshadowing. I had some fallbacks like Xeno Gears and the Premonition song, but I'm like, I want to do something different. So, loosely connected, we talked about flashbacks and, and stuff. There's a game called Flashback, which was actually a lot of fun, but I don't remember much about it. I played it like at my friend's house. How, uh, which generation was it? I think it's Sega. Sega? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sega Genesis? Genesis? Yeah. Okay. At least initially. This guy's trying to find memory, his memories and whatever, and I figure out you're going to have to mystery foreshadowing close enough that works um i couldn't find a good song from overclock remix so i went to dwelling of duels and they had a, a nice one remixed by new ip or new whip i don't know which way it's supposed to be pronounced it's all one word might be new ip yeah intellectual or, property or or new whip or, or new whip like new and work in progress smashed together maybe i don't know contact us dude find out <laughs> explain your screen name to us uh, the title of the remix is Hollow Cube, and it's enjoyable. I hope you enjoy it as well.
We're back. That was I, good stuff. I enjoyed that. It has kind of an 80s rock vibe yeah. to it almost. I discovered I'm like, man, this is really good. I'm going to have to use this. The more middle-aged I become, the more I, I feel akin to 80s music, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that kind of throwback stuff. But anywho, uh, next up, let's go to... What if... All right, so we're going to do kind of a quick round of what if here today. We, we enjoy our what ifs. We do enjoy our what ifs. And again, it's been it's been a little while, but let's set up a scenario, Nick, and we're going to use the random noun generator. Yes, and we're going to basically, we're going to make a noun that will have to be an omen for something in a story. So we'll have to build a story around this omen and what it means. Okay, so you're going to give us the random noun first, so then we'll... Yeah, I think okay. we'll try that way. You know, okay. it's like, you know, back, like, oh, no, the cat rocked under the ladder. That means... Something. Something. Well, we'll see what this means. So we're just doing one random noun here. Eyeliner. Eyeliner. Um, that makes me feel like... So is this some sort of... I feel like it's... Like a story about um, what's agoraphobia? What's the, the fear of clowns? Isn't agoraphobia, like, afraid that... of wide spaces? Um, Open spaces? Maybe. I don't remember. Okay, well, so where are you going with this? I'm very confused. Well, I don't know. The eyeliner just made me think clowns immediately. Oh, I was thinking some sort of like rom-com or something. More of a makeup thing? Okay. But uh, but what's an omen for? Like, someday... Um, I don't know. Just that someone was traumatized by like... And they just associated... I don't know. They were looking more at like the person's freakish eyebrows. But what, what did the portend? So, the, so, okay, say Susie Q. Okay. Susie Q. Jackson. That's the main character. Okay. Okay. She's walking in her house. She, you know, she's say she's early twenties. Okay, she lives in an apartment in New York City. Okay, okay. She walks in and she sees this eyeliner on the table, and it's supposed to be an omen of something for her. Hmm. What is it? Her. I mean, maybe it's oh, eyeliner from her mother has come to visit. Unexpected. Oh, so it's omen that ah, that her mom has been in her apartment. Yes. Maybe not there right now. She's not there right now, but she's been there. Because her mom has used a specific type of eyeliner for her whole life. Yes. And she has uneasy feelings about her mother, who told her that she should not move to New York <laughs> because that um, trying to get a gig on Broadway, Broadway. was yeah. just not the thing to do. And so, so now there's this heavy hanging that somewhere her mom's going to show up. And she's she's she changed the locks on her door. <laughs> this um, sounds like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> like she starts really freaking out about. And this. so she's doing all this stuff, and then she's backstage getting ready, and her mom's in her changing room, and like, didn't I tell you that Bobby Joe came over to my house the other day, and he still has feelings for you, and that's that's the that the payoff. That's. <laughs> Okay. That, that, was, that was actually kind of awesome. I think that works. All so, right. So there's your story based on uh, eyeliner as, as an omen. As, yes, as an omen of foreshadowing. Okay. It's a good thing you didn't get like eyeshadowing. For, oh. Get it? For eyeshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I see. <laughs> what? I see. I see. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're the teacher and I'm the pupil. Okay. Fun times. <laughs> Fun times. So you, do you'll give me a couple lashes for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was thinking about this earlier. Do you know why the um, the student followed the golf pro to the driving range? I do not. Because he was foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. That's on par with our other jokes. A hole. Yep. <laughs> okay. What's our what's our right next right noun? Level, level. So I'm thinking it has to be a level, like for for construction, construction work. Yeah. Okay. So our character is an architect. Okay. But he has given up architecture because his previous homes that he was building for the common man were more flammable than he remembered, <laughs> and it caused some problems and insurance issues. So he left the industry. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm giving this one to you. I I don't know where you're going with this. And he, he got rid of all his tools. Okay, uh, and it was one day his sink breaks, and <laughs> so he needs to get the 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 S tube fixed, but he doesn't have one, so he has to go to the hardware store, which is a big deal. And he sees the level, just 
in the rows. And he knows, he knows suddenly that he needs to go back to architecture because life is out of balance. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think that's working. That's not foreshadowing. That's an inspiration. That's that's an inciting incident. Okay, okay, let's back up. Okay, so he sees... He sees the, 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 no, no, but say, so like this, say it's, uh, it's a level and it's on level, but it doesn't show that it's level. Mm-hmm. So it just bugs him. He goes home, he fixes his sink and everything and bugs him. And so, and then the rest of the show is about him trying to get his life back. And so it was foreshadowing that he was out. That's symbolism. That's not even, <laughs> I can't, I can't make it work. I'm done. <laughs> I tried. Um, let me think. Yeah, I was trying to come up with. I'm coming up with symbolism too. Like, no, no, okay. Like, like I'm always picturing like you, you, you had left the level on like a windowsill or something, and then all of a sudden there's like problems in his marriage, and like the you see like the the little bubble in the middle <laughs> just start shaking. <laughs> I but never use level as symbolism, but it's actually pretty rife for being used in some sort of uh, this old house or a, do- a drama or like you know things are out of balance. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Uh, the force is out of it's a it's a Jedi level. Um, <laughs> it could no okay. I'm going to recover it. I'm going to recover it. All right. Okay. So he sees it at the hardware store. We're just going to go with it because I have set it up with everything. And then you mess around because it's old time sake. And then and then the next day, like his his um something else breaks in his house. So he goes back and the level's gone. And he just he doesn't think much about it except his rival bought maybe, it before he did. Maybe or or. Or then he was thinking about buying it because he thought it would be helpful for fixing the next, the thing that broke, like something that, like he's trying to hang up photos or something. Oh, okay. You know, and he just can't get right because his house is, wasn't built by him. Mm-hmm. So it's not flammable, but it's not well put together either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot about the flammable thing. <laughs> um, and then he, he's thinking about buying it and then someone, but it's gone. And he's, he's just curious because it was like the perfect, it was like, historic level or something and then i don't know like his rival bought it or his girlfriend or someone who's going to end up being his girlfriend okay we're done i think okay. i think the level we're, is we're, we're we're not okay here we go we're, we're done with that let's do let's do one last one to try to okay. wrap this up we got we got a shift uh re, re uh these are all like abstract nouns i'm trying to get a concrete noun because um hubcap um hubcap <laughs> hubcap i think he's got kind of foreshadowed like an accident Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe it's starting by the guy who's who's refurnishing a new car that he um he's poured a lot of time into okay. it, a lot of lot of care into this really super nice car and the last step is putting in these new shiny new hubcaps okay. that he's super okay. proud of. And probably there's there's probably some like death flags as he's putting these in that the audience is like uh-oh. It's it's like when you hear about the guy that's retiring. Oh, and okay. like you you have the sense of foreboding that something like, is about to happen to this guy. The only thing I have left in life is finishing this car. Yeah. Yeah. And then like that. finally he finally the hubcat has been on back order. He's been searching all over the place for it. He finally gets it. He puts it on, goes out for his first drive. Horrible accident. This is like this the, is this, this is a horrible story. Well the fi- the final shot though you, is you see the hubcaps rolling down and mm-hmm. then kind of spinning and clattering to the ground. And then and then for the epilogue, that hubcap gets sent to someone else who's trying to complete his car. And then he goes out for a drive <laughs> and says it's like a horror movie. A, a, cur- a cursed, cursed, cursed hubcap. <laughs> okay. You had a good one and I just made it even worse. Even weirder. Oh, let's let's cap that one off. Okay, then. That, that's yeah, we're tired of that. <laughs> I think the first one was the first one. Well, you you kind of set it up to be dark when you called it an omens, but at least the first one was f- kind of funny. The f- first one worked pretty well. The second one was too symbolic, but it was that was fun. I I really enjoyed spinning the story of um of our of our architect who no longer works in the industry. Yeah, the flammable building. <laughs> If you can come up with a better way of use a level and foreshadowing, folks, please let us know because we next time when you use, I ha, I just came up with puffin. So next time when we do this, we will have to use puffin as an oral omen. There you go, like albatross in mm-hmm. um, what is that poem? Rhyme oh. of the Asian Mariner. The albatross is an omen. Yeah, Anyways, there you go. Yep. The, the, the the omen puffin. The just... omen puffin. <laughs> the puffin walks under the ladder, and you're like, oh no, I have seven years of bad luck. <laughs> do you remember? The, the, you know, to get rid of it, you had to throw a puffin <laughs> over your shoulder. 
What's the? Oh no, it, that's a minor bird. The uh, the Looney Tunes cartoon where there's that one little bird that like just kind of ambles along and does this goofy little like. I don't know if I remember that. Oh, it's this thing that I used. My grandmother used to say that I used to giggle as a little baby. <laughs> like this this goofy little minor bird with this walk, and um, I think part of the joke in the Looney Tunes thing was that like it was just one little bird, but nothing could touch it. It was sort of like the Roadrunner, except oh, okay. it was way more meek than Roadrunner was. Okay. Anyway, that's side tangent. So, so if a puffin shows up in your dream, what does it mean? Run away. Run away. Yeah, okay. Don't don't mess with that. Don't thing. mess with that puffin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and now for our next segment, it's came from the interwebs. It's been a while since we've done a good interwebs thing. This will not be quite as crazy of a find from Jim Carrey's website. No, Maybe as the craziest we ever as, did. Probably no. I thought it might be interesting to get a little more techie this time around. Ooh, techie. And talk about the upcoming Disney Plus because I think it's going to have a pretty profound impact on entertainment industry as long as they stop just remaking their old stuff. Well, yes, and I think we'll, we'll touch on that. Okay. But um, so, so hit me with it, Tim. Okay. Well, see, today Disney unveiled a lot of stuff for their investors. We're recording um, mid April. Mid April, yes. And so they unveiled a lot of stuff. So I thought it'd be fun to just kind of go through the Twitter feed of uh, they didn't stream it for everyone, but some people basically put summaries up. Summaries up. Okay. Lead me through this, Tim. All right. So one of the things they did mention is that in addition to being a, an independent package, they may also offer compilation deals with like their ESPN streaming and Hulu. So, oh, so basically a, we're getting cable back. In a weird way, yeah. <laughs> Except you get to choose. Have you heard about like cable slinging pack packages? There's oh, a no. there's a thing that's actually called sling. Oh, and okay, then, yes, yes. And then YouTube TV works on a similar way where you can basically it's like a cable package, but it's also more like an internet DVR. More more customizable. More customizable. You can record pretty much everything indefinitely. Okay. At least I think it's indefinitely. So I'm man, not, between sure. Hulu and Disney, Netflix is gonna have a rough Yes, well, yeah, especially with what they've been announcing here. So let's let me go through some of this. Wait, 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 go back there. So wait, okay, I know Disney had Disney and Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars. They have National Geographic? Yeah, I was not aware. They just kind of picked that up when no one was paying attention, I guess. Weird. Okay. I guess, I mean, they've always done those, like, Planet Earth sort of movies, so maybe, yeah, maybe they did it during that time. Fit into the, that wheelhouse somehow, yeah. I guess. Like, oh, look, we're Marvel. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot. Right. They talk about how they're going to bring all their theatrical stuff. They talk about how they're going like, to buy the world. Obvious, yeah. Okay, so here's your first look at the screen for Disney+. Plus. Oh, I mean, oh, like you can actually pick those different categories. Yeah, like I think it's, so they've got your like ad for like, oh, here, we got Frozen. or Because in case you haven't watched things. it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but then right below that, they have all, all parents are like, don't put that on the front page. <laughs> but then they have all the tabs for specifically Disney. Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. <laughs> One of these things does not look like the other. <laughs> I, I wonder if these are even scroll through, like, next, you go to, no, like, probably. Fox stuff. I suppose you go, go get all the documentaries in National Geographic. I mean, it's nice... It's a nice change for the rest of them. Yeah, but I mean, it just goes to show you, like, these are the big hitters. Then, very much below it, it looks very much like what you would see on Netflix, Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. Those kind of thumbnails. Yeah. So, Man, the problem I, I, with them owning the world is that I have to get Disney Plus now. Well, yeah, see, and this is, this is the thing that it looks so good that it's scary. Yeah. Like, you have an entire section just for Star Wars. Yeah, I mean... And apparently, one of their new shows, the very first Star Wars live-action show... Is a Bubba Fett. Well, it's a Mandalorian, yeah, yeah, which I don't care about both of but they have said that it will be available day one. Oh, man, yeah. See, I mean, like, you're hooked already. See, the problem like, is... How can you not do here's this? Here's the thing. When they bought Star Wars, and they bought it for a bazillion dollars, what they were buying was not so much the movie rights, but nostalgia. Like, you can make anything, and some people are going to go see it because it says Star Wars. Right. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, because it's like... It's cool, but it's also slightly terrifying because, like, it's definitely one of the. I mean, between not just Disney stuff is yeah. cool. They've been been firing on better cylinders with their at least their original animated movies. Never, yeah, not so much their live action, but uh, their original stuff. But yeah, their Pixar is, is awesome. Well, Pixar, yeah. And, I mean, Pixar needs to do less sequels, more originals, but, but whatever. But still, Star Wars, and then you've got Star I Wars, wonder, all this cool stuff in one this, place. Here's the thing, like the nice thing about Netflix 
is that it gives possibilities for things that would not get made to get made. Mm-hmm. You know, movies, series. I mean, I don't know if I've talked about it here, but like the Lemmy... Maybe some things that shouldn't be made. Well, that's possible too, but like the Netflix uh, version of Lemmy Snicket was great. You're never making a movie. That's never getting on, on cable TV. I mean, it's just weird. But I guess my question then with Star Wars or like Disney, are they going to just build up all these boxes they have or will it free them up to finally do not rehashing things? Well, I think that's they, my curious. They did re- announce a, f- a few original things. That, okay. So we'll get to that here in a little bit. But anyway, just this is the Star Wars section, the fact that there is a Star Wars section that, yeah. that's, and The Mandalorian is not the only new upcoming Star Wars I, I've heard there's others, but I don't remember what they are. I think there's one, I don't remember, we'll get, we'll get to that now or later in this feed, but there's one based off the, um, the Hispanic guy from the Rebel One. Oh, okay. Is that what it's called? Rogue One. Rogue One. Thank you. That sounded wrong as soon as I said it. Rogue One, that guy and his robot. Okay. So that, that's kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, oh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a TV show? Yes. They've announced several new miniseries, I okay. feel like, with the original actors Which from is the cool. This is super MCU. Cool. So that's, yeah. that's pretty neat. So yeah, Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier. Uh, I heard um, Hawkeye's getting his own. I heard rumors that they did not show that, so they might that might be pretty early in the process. Okay. Um, of course, they're looking to get it on all the different platforms. Oh, well, yeah. Now, are all Disney vaulted stuff going to be there? I think so. Because I need, need my, well, I have a physical copy, so I don't actually need it. But I need my, my copy of Three Caballeros. That movie's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> well, you know, they haven't announced this here, but I have seen footage of a, three, of a new Three Caballeros TV show. Like, you can find this on YouTube that is apparently has already premiered in other places, and hmm. the, the theory is that it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Here's, a, but the problem is, you add too much structure, and it's not Three Caballeros anymore. <laughs> Part of the wonder of Three Caballeros... It makes it better, Nick. <laughs> no, no, Three Caballeros is a work of art. No, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I can listen to parts of that music. The music is amazing. The animation's wonderful. It's creative. It's a little trippy at the end. Like, you should probably be on some LSD or something, but... It's also boring. No, it's not. It's awesome. It's fabulous. Except for one that one song about by ear. That song is boring. I think this is one you just had to grow up with. <laughs> I, my Rennie, for a long time, she she loved it. She watched it over again. Now, not watched the other one that came with my disc, which is like the other his. Um, oh, another one of the compilation things. Well, not compilation, but it was like the other right oh, around there. Like it's, Saludos Amigos. Yes, I've not watched that one. Like basically, when Disney was trying to market South America, I, I, I'm pretty sure that it's not as good through Caballeros because through Caballeros is awesome. Anyways, moving on. I think it's supposed to be in there. I know they're supposed to put in a lot of their old vaulted movies. That's good. Uh, I mean, they this picture shows. A bunch that are from Vault, although this is not, this is just a summary. I know all the Pixar movies will be on there. Nice. Um, there's some new Pixar shorts. Some of them will be a tie-in with Toy Story 4, which makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. Gonna... Oh, oh, wait. I want to lay this one on you. So another of the series is going to be about Scarlet Witch and Vision. Okay. That's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. What, now, but... what do you think it's going to be called? Scarlet Vision. No, <laughs> Scarlet Witch and Vision. WandaVision. That's <laughs> literally WandaVision. I want to watch some television. No, let's watch some WandaVision. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. Wanda, this feels like some sort of like bad 90s commercial. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. WandaVision. I, I think now, is it like a sick is like them trying to live at home, like I, raise a family. I hope so. That would actually kind of be awesome. Like, here's the thing. They really need to just do all these different... If they're going to, like, just mark the bazeebers out of Star Wars and Marvel, like, let's do lots of genres. Let's do lots of styles. Yeah. I mean, let's well, do it. another one that they've announced is an animated thing that's basically an anthology series of what-ifs. Oh, okay. I think it's like Marvel What If. I can do that. One of the ones they suggested was, uh, what if Peggy Carter took the truth serum... Or not truth serum. <laughs> the super serum <laughs> oh, stuff. nice. So... I could do. I could deal with that. That would be, that would be pretty cool. Sounds like they're going to do a lot of new behind the scenes stuff. Okay. Which, yeah. again, again, this is one thing that's a potential downside, I feel like, to the whole Google Plus thing. We're basically getting what used to be DVD extras as part of a service. Yeah. That was, yeah, they want you to go to the service. Yeah. And uh, Disney has been kind of inching away from home media for a long time. Mm. I've said this before in regards to like the Muppet show. Yeah. Um, or Phineas and Ferb. Now, could Muppets that, have a new life on that's It's been hoped for. There's even been some rumors, but nothing's confirmed yet, even after today. Okay. So hopefully it's in the works. I 
I've seen Matt Vogel. Maybe you could just put all the original Muppet show on for you. Yeah, possibly. But I imagine the, there's the same problem there as Probably. it is with the home the video stuff, yeah. all the, the music rights. Um, okay, there's Kathleen Kennedy talking about all the movies that the are going to be on there. Cetera, of course, that's about that that show I just mentioned. Mandalorian. Mandalorian will be available. Man, if I was 16 and that was coming on, I would have <laughs> done anything to watch this show. I don't think, is it Boba Fett? I don't know. Or but is it someone else? Cyril, look, still, we, we are recording. Mandalorians are awesome. If we were back at your place, we would be recording right next to a, a Mandalorian. <laughs> that's true. That is true. That is not actually made up, guys. It's on loan from Nick, actually. Yes. Yeah, a lot of the live action movies are saying you're beyond there, which I hope it's all of them. I'd love to see like all their super old, like uh, yeah. vin- vintage stuff. See, like, that's what I, I'm more, almost more excited about some of the old stuff out that too, should be on there this than my, new stuff. This is one of my pet peeves about Netflix is that you can't get old stuff mm-hmm. because when you had the discs back in the day, right. you get all the old stuff, but now you can't. It's, it's hard like to find. It. Like if I want to watch some and, Hitchcock or something. Yeah. They don't highlight that a lot in this, although I do notice that Treasure Island, the original Treasure Island, from oh. TV, which is important. That's the very first Disney live action movie. So I'm hoping that what they're saying is that all of them are on. That'd be good. There. So, what, is, okay, what is Noel? So this is a new one that they're talking about, which is made being made specifically for Disney+. Plus. Okay. It's a story about Santa's daughter. So I imagine it's going to come well, out Because I was December. interested in, because so far, like, okay, you're making more Star Wars stuff and more stuff, which I'm not against, but it's like, are we going to see original just stories? Yeah, and so apparently there's a few. There's that one. There's this thing called Timmy Failure, which I, like I kind of, I protest the name a little bit. But We're going to need another Timmy. That's from, Di- you ever seen the dinosaurs? Jim Henson. Thing? Oh, no. No, not really. So that sounds like an original thing. I don't think it's based on anything. It's about an 11-year-old boy who believes he's the best detective in town and runs the agency Total Failure, Inc. with his partner, a 12,000-pound imaginary polar bear. No, 1,200 pounds. Oh, 1,200 pounds. 12,000 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> he's not fitting in any rooms. <laughs> yeah. so. um, but, they, of course, they are still doing their own live-action stuff, like a live-action Lady of the Tramp. Yeah. Well, because, because things with mainly animals should be made live-action. Yeah. So I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of new stuff. A lot, some of their old. And then they talk about National Geographic. Jeff Goldblum is of all people is going to have a National Geographic show. Okay. Well, <laughs> I remember like then like the Money Python people go. Uh, Eric Idle went around the world doing some nature. Yeah, yeah. And, Comedians are a good fit for that kind of stuff. Oh, and there's going to be a new Phineas and Ferb movie. Oh, nice. And oh, and they did say. Okay, so they get this. Over five thousand episodes of Disney Channel original movies will be, or hmm. Disney Channel shows. And, hopefully and not. Nervous. Hopefully the ones I want to watch. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage Disney Channel stuff. Okay, <laughs> check out this. In the first year of Disney Plus, they're saying they're going to have over 25 new Whoa, series, that's 10 crazy. movies. Now, as far as TV shows, 7,500 past episodes from on and off air. Now, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that includes like Disney afternoon stuff. Yeah, again, yeah, that'd be cool. Some wanting to do old stuff. I want to see all the old stuff on there. As far as movies, over 100 recent titles and over 400 from the Disney Library. Nice. And probably also the Fox Library because they didn't show, like, the sound of music at some point. as like a thumbnail. Okay. Oh, and The Simpsons. Okay. Woohoo! I have to... Wait, wait, no. I got to say that better. Woohoo! Welcome to Synergy. There's a great video here. I'll come back to the video here in a minute. But uh, so it launches November 12th, the day after my birthday, actually. Nice. Um, Ooh, dirt cheap too. Yes, to get dirt, people. I'm sure like, it'll raise after, but probably. But it's it's like half the cost of Netflix right now. Ugh. Netflix should be worried. Yeah, I mean, Netflix is is making buco money, but they ain't Disney. No. So yeah, I mean, on one hand, obviously it's going to be great to see all those things, but yeah, I I just get there's just something uneasy about Disney owning so much stuff. Yeah, and that like you have like. The back library is almost as, as interesting because you can't get half that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Yeah, that stuff, I'm more interested in the new stuff. But at the same time, it is worrying about the idea of, because like, so CBS has their exclusive channel thing now with the, where they got Star Trek and Twilight Zone. I mean, eventually, there's, eventually everything's going to be online and you either just pick what channels you want. Yeah, which it's... It's going to happen. It's probably, it's going to happen. And I see pluses and minuses about it. On the plus side, I think better consumer choice is yeah. certainly better than what we used to get with like the cable package shows, which would give you all kinds of stuff that you really had no interest care. in. Yeah. The downside is I see a lot more networks and companies in general going moving away from physical media, which I find problematic because 
say I, I want to just watch what, like the other day, I, I was o- over at my parents' place because yeah. my grandma likes to have someone at home if, if the parents are going to be gone for a while. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to bring over um, season two of MacGyver because yeah. my grandmother used to really enjoy MacGyver and I love, love MacGyver. And my folks don't have super great internet connection yeah. out there, so we have to be very limited in what what we stream over there. So it was nice to just to be able to take my DVD, bring mm-hmm. it over there, stick it in, and play it. And you know that's a show that I enjoyed, so that's one reason why I own it. Yeah, I can't. You can't necessarily count on a show's staying on Netflix forever. In yeah. fact, oftentimes they have gone. And luckily, Netflix, you, I think that you can still download certain things. Well, yeah, but I mean... Which is... I mean, that, not when it leaves. I'm not saying that. Right, right, I mean, right. right. If it, it's still a temporary internet. thing. Yeah. I mean, it, the nice thing about physical media is that once you buy it, you can... You own it. You own it. You can play it whenever it's convenient to you. As opposed to constantly every month you. having to pay. Right. And is it going to still be there? Or, and I think, again, this is just my own... But, you know, you're going to get all these things that every... And everyone's going to have the buzz about this show, that show, and you're going to have to go find a... And I guess it's always been kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But now everyone's going to feel compelled to watch 10,000 things from five different networks, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the other thing is you can choose to do these things a little bit at a time. Like, I've sometimes picked up Hulu for like a couple months. And that just is to nice. catch, Just to catch up on the show, and then you, you're done with it. And it's... Not terribly different from when you used to, in terms of cost, it's not that much different from when you used to rent a movie. That's true. That's true. But, I mean, there's still, it's a different kind of experience. It'll be, it'll be a, a strange transition. I think, I mean, obviously from a creator's point of view, you have all these options to make shows that would never have been made otherwise. Yeah. And that's super cool. And I, I do think Netflix will continue to have an audience. And I, and I understand that recently um, the Criterion... Um, you know who does the Criterion yeah. Collection? They recently launched their own, which I think is good because you need you the, need some place to have that's for like real cinema people. Because because honestly, I mean the old Disney stuff, but there's a lot of that stuff that's very genre, but it's not that sort of yeah the cinema stuff. Like, mm-hmm. are we going to just is the like the RT movies going to just fall through the cracks? You know, yeah. there's some of that stuff that you know I'm not I don't watch a ton of that stuff, but I want to be able to watch it when when you want to. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's. That's one reason why sometimes we'll still, <laughs> this is not an artsy movie by any means, but my dad and I have been slowly going through the Fast and Furious series, oh, yeah. which yeah. I, which we had never seen. We, did, we didn't really follow those movies as they came out. But I always go to Family Video to check mm-hmm. those out because it's like, I want to have a store someplace where when I want a very specific movie, yeah. I can go to that place and pick it up. And I think that's the, the thing that would be most hurt will be the specific things mm-hmm. in general it'll be more for people but it's, the, it's those niche things that will be even harder to get into the hands of mm-hmm. yeah it'll be interesting things just keep changing and there are, i mean there's a lot of benefits but i guess i'm kind of a curmudgeon i'm always a little just like uh yeah but that's just that's more my personality yeah you. i mean it's not gonna stop i mean no, I, gonna keep... I, i'm totally planning to yeah pick it up, i'm gonna like, have to absolutely. get it yeah I'm, I've seen many even do like the annual thing because it's like $7 for the month or 70 for the year. So, yeah, so you just get two months free. Yeah, basically. Mm. They need to have one of these for like two bucks a month and it's just like all like horrible B movies. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Well, and you could just watch it like. Okay, well, you've already got. What was that? Um, there's that one streaming channel thing that's got like a Rift Tracks channel well, on it. Well, I know, it. but you can't pick it when you want to watch them. It's, it's okay. live TV. Yeah, that's true. Or internet TV. I mean, yeah, I mean, an internet TV of all Rift Tracks movies is actually a pretty awesome it thing. It is pretty awesome. I don't remember the name of the site, but if you're into Rift Tracks, go. Pluto. Is it Pluto? I think so. Pluto TV. Yep. Okay. Yeah, go go check it out. 24-7. Yeah, I, don't, I don't use it as often as I should, but <laughs> fun. All right. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Thank you for listening to Derailed Trains of Thoughts, episode 98. Can 98. you believe it, Nick? Think about it, Nick. We are that much closer to episode 100. Yeah, and that much closer to episode 150. Well, yeah, but that's... <laughs> you were such a weirdo tonight. <laughs> okay. Sorry, folks. Uh, be sure to check out um, all our episodes on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And check out our sister podcast, Weekly Hijack. Where we're going through Babylon 5. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And be on the lookout. Let us know um, some things you might like to see in episode 100. 100, which will probably be special, but maybe will just be a normal episode. Yeah. The podcast sometimes have, has different ideas than yeah, we, we have don't know what store the, for it. what the podcast might do. Yeah. So stay tuned. So, just to foreshadow that so a little bit. Maybe we go somewhere else than this um, B 
beach, it's obviously not good for my mental health. Yeah, and that, those kids down the road, they just well, left running and crying. No, so. yeah, but, but they're with that nice-looking banker, so they should be fine. I, I guess so. Yeah, bankers are always trustworthy. Well, hmm. to lighten the mood here a little bit, okay, after our, our, our dark what-if and the ominous Disney Disney Plus on the horizon. Yeah, well, yeah, what, what does that foreshadow? Who knows? That's, a, that's an excellent question. But to, to pick out a soundtrack, I just did a search for Shadows on OC Remix. And of all things, I landed on a song from the game Maui Mallard and Cold Shadow. <laughs> this remix is fabulous. Yeah, it, this is a great mix. The The game has a weird name. And yeah. even if I explained it, which I'm not going to try to here, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but anyway, the, the remix is called Dance Like Popcorn. And it's, it's a very <laughs> fitting song for a very, very fun, catchy dance number. And this is remixed by Geefrog. Gooey Frog, I think. The gooey frog? Well, I noticed the guy's name is Spanish. So oh, maybe it's not. I so, guess I always just thought it was gooey frog. I mean, it looks gooey frog sounds better, but I yeah. think I think gee frog would might be more. It may be true. More accurate. I don't know. You can meet up with New Whip and they can argue how they pronounce their names. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, hope you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye bye. Adios.